Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life, a show that began as a journey through the difficulties and joys of living in a foreign place and has become a show about living, taking risks, moving, adapting. So welcome expats, former expats, future expats, travelers, and reinventors. Thanks for letting us keep you company. I'm your host, Katie Sewell. I'm a veteran public radio producer and writer who recently moved to San Francisco after living in New Orleans and Seattle and Rome. My co-host Tiffany Parks is a full-time writer and expat living in Rome, Italy. She's also my childhood friend. I've known her since the school bus in sixth grade. If you've never heard the show, don't be afraid to start at the beginning and come along for the whole journey, which begins in Rome. And without further ado, today's show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. We're back after our break. Yes, welcome back to the world of not being moving anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, thank you. I know we we call it a break, but as anyone who's moved their household knows, it's not a break. Moving is so exhausting one you're eating terrible food because you don't actually have any food in the house and you're always trying to stay working so you're just running out and grabbing something coming back continuing to unpack or unload or whatever and then once it's all unloaded then you think now i gotta put this stuff somewhere every little tiny thing yeah we actually used a moving company this time so we didn't pack wow fancy (laughs) yeah i know fancy except (laughs) You know how when you pack, you sort of put things in a mental order? Yeah, you know where things are. For them, they just put things together as they came across them. So every box was like a Christmas morning in a way because you're like, what's going to be in here? And then heaven forbid you open a box that's like, oh my gosh, I really don't want to deal with this stuff right now. Mm -hmm. I have nowhere to put this. Like the box is full of like little knickknacks that sit on things. Right. Well, until I have the shelves and the dishes put away, I don't know where all these little knickknacks are going to go. And so they're just sitting around on tables and ledges and windowsills and ugh. That's the thing I hate the most about packing. Like I, I mean, about moving, I don't mind. I mean, I hate it all. Let's be honest. But, you know, packing things up. Okay. The physical part of moving things, whatever. But having stuff, I'm a, I'm a neat freak. As you know, I'm a, like, I can't stand things to be in disorder. And so when there are boxes lying around or even worse, like objects just with no place to put them, it it literally makes me anxious and I, I hate it so much. I just hate it. I know. So I'm sorry and I'm glad that it's over. Well, and it sounds from that description like we have so much stuff, but Derek and I calculated in the six years we've known each other, we have moved six times. Oh God. Isn't that insane? That's horrible. That's just, it's just sad. Like, it makes me feel bad for you. <laughs> no, we've gotten rid of so much stuff because you can't move six times and not begin to hate everything, you know? And so you just, <laughs> every time you move, you get rid of more and more and more and more and more. So we have downsized so much over the last six moves. And still, when the movers got here and we're moving the boxes in, because now we're living in a place that's only 700 square feet, we have way too much stuff. 
even downsized, we can't get into this damn apartment. So what did you do? Well, we did manage to get almost everything in. But I did give, we have these mattress pads that lay on top of the, we used to have two beds. I had gotten rid of one of them. The guest bedroom, that's out when you move (laughs) to San Francisco, right? Yeah. So I had already gotten rid of one of the beds in Seattle, but we decided to keep the two toppers Mm -hmm. just because, because they were nice. Both of them were in the house. I'm like, I got to get rid of one of these immediately. And I just (laughs) gave one to the mover, one of the guys that was moving stuff in. I'm like, you want this, right? He's like, yeah, I could probably use that. <laughs> so we're pawning stuff off in real time. But we also just did things like, obviously, we don't have as much wall space as we used to. So rather than try to figure out a place to store all the pictures, we just plastered the walls. Well, that's very in right now. That's in right now. That's the Is style. It in? I never do anything that's in when it comes to aesthetics. Well, you did it without knowing. That's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> and then there was a little storage in the basement. So we just did some sort of head scratching. And we have a box that's still in the garage that's just full of stuff to give away. And we keep throwing more stuff into that box. And by me saying a, that uh, I put it in the garage, that makes it sound like we have 700 square feet and a garage. But that's not true. The neighbor upstairs actually owns the garage so to get into our house we walk through the garage past their car and into our door oh which is a little odd Hmm. they gave us a little garage space but the garage is not ours per se okay anyway blah 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 at least you have some storage space we have none we have zero we have not no storage space whatsoever wow we had the option when we moved in here to buy a little storage area that's down in the garage area it's a big building with lots of lots of apartments and there's a big underground garage and it has little storage units and we had the option of buying one but it was something like 15,000 euros wow for this very very small space and it was like a principal thing for me I was like I am not spending 15,000 euros so that I can store stuff that I don't use And that I don't want. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the stuff in your storage, you don't really want it, do you? Because if you wanted it, you'd have it with you. You'd have it in your house. Even if it was a small house, you'd find a place for it. I'm a firm believer in not storing stuff. And I I think that comes from being an expat, obviously, and moving very long distances and moving a lot. I haven't moved a lot lately. I mean, I moved last year, but, you know, I haven't been moving nearly as much as you. But still, I have moved a lot in my life. And, uh... I just don't have patience for storage. I just don't think it's worth the money. There's no point to it to me. I mean, it would be great to have. Like, it's one of those things, like, if it were free, sure. I'd be like, you want to give me a free storage space? Sure, I'll take it. But I'm not going to pay you to store stuff that I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. The only exception is the Christmas ornaments and stuff like that. Because you're just like, well, (laughs) the place that we moved into has only one closet. So once you fill that with his and hers clothes... That's pretty much it. Hmm. All of these things that we might have a place for, all of a sudden there is no place for. Yeah. Which is why there's so much down in the basement of this place in storage. Yeah. No, I should be honest. We do have a little tiny space that is not closed off. We have to build a little door for it. But we do have a little space that's about the size of a broom closet. And so we can just about fit in the Christmas ornaments and holiday decorations and the, what's that thing called? A spit of polvere. 
vacuum cleaner, you know, the basics, the, the ironing board that I never use. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I never use it. Literally, we've been here over a year and I've literally never used that thing. Dude, I get it. Derek, for whatever reason, insisted that we put an ironing board on our wedding registry. <laughs> and I was like, when have we ever used an ironing board? And he's like, well, how do you iron? If I have to iron anything, which most of the time I'll be like, ah, wrinkly's great. <laughs> I just lay a towel on the floor and I iron it on the ground. Oh, well, you got to do what you got to do. He comes from a military background. In the military background, you got to be able to really iron those shirts. Ah. Now, of course, since we've moved six times, I think I've seen him use that ironing board once. (laughs) And he's since decided that the key to good life, simplicity down here is to just buy a whole bunch of t-shirts in different colors couple pairs of jeans and you just rotate through those every week it's a great strategy but it does not require the ironing board which is leaning up against the wall outside waiting for somewhere to go yeah it it depends on your job as well if you need to wear dress shirts to work true but you know regardless of what it sounds like in the uh, first opening of the show we are not talking about storage today (laughs) (laughs) sorry we went off on a major tangent there probably not a very interesting one either yeah it's somewhat related though and it's about aesthetics. The reason I suggested this topic is because it became very clear to me in the time that I was displaced because of this move and because of the holidays that aesthetics are incredibly important to me. And I'll tell you what I mean. In the shuffle of coming to San Francisco, we spent a month in temporary corporate housing and then we flew home for the holidays. And during the holidays, we were staying with my parents. And we were also house-sitting a friend of mine's house. Well, that's a good thing. So for this entire time, we are in other people's places, which is very common for expats too. You move into an apartment that's temporary, that's furnished. We've talked about that a little bit. But what I found to be true is that while I was in all of these temporary locations, it was incredibly difficult for me to get any work done. The corporate housing was completely soulless, as you might imagine, and I think we mentioned But just even like the vibe of being in my parents' house and the vibe of being in my friend's house, both of those vibes didn't match the kind of vibe that I would put together in my own house. Does that make sense of where I would work? I mean, you haven't been to me and Derek's home for a long time. And the only time you've lived next to us, we are living in somebody else's design. But our house has this very lived in feeling to it it's full of old things everything is very carefully placed in certain places to give you a general vibe we are the both the keepers of the family lineages so like oftentimes if stuff gets passed down we have it so we have a lot of other people's things around so it's got this kind of ancient feeling to it One of the ways I heard it described that was the funniest to me was when we moved into one apartment and we had just finished setting everything up. My sister-in-law came over and she said, oh, so this is a new apartment. How many months have you guys been here now? And Derek says, oh, we just finished unpacking today. And she looks around at all these perfectly curated ancient things. And she says, my God, it feels like you've been here for years. You know, (laughs) it just has this sort of very adult, super crafted vibe. Maybe we'll post some pictures on our Instagram or something like that. So you can kind of see what it's like. But I notice where everything's sitting all the time. And I'm sure you've known people where they'll set something somewhere, like they'll put a pop can down 
and the pop can can be there for the next six years. It's almost as if they don't see it anymore. It vanished. It sat on the windowsill and it just disappeared from their line of vision for the rest of their life. And I've known so many people who are like that. <laughs> and, I, and I'm so not like that. It's a, I, I, I've started to come to think of it as a problem. I've known so many freelancers who can work anywhere or in any condition. They're in like the crappiest hotel room outside of Las Vegas and they can write the great American novel there. It doesn't matter that there's stained sheets and, you know, a picture that's about to fall off the wall. They don't care. The environment around them doesn't affect them whatsoever. And for me, there are certain environments where I just can't seem to work in. Now, when you were telling me this, I was wondering, is it really the visual vibe of the place? Could it have also, or at least partially been, that you knew you were in a temporary place and that was blocking you from working because you felt like there was no continuum to your time in that particular place? Because that's my problem more than the visual aspect. If I'm somewhere for a short period of time, I don't feel like, kind of like, why bother working today when I know that I won't be able to work every day? You know, I won't be here every day. I don't know. Could it have been that too? Yeah, it makes sense. But technically, if you're a freelancer, like if you're just writing, it shouldn't. The fact that you're not going to be in this crappy hotel room the next day shouldn't really matter. Like what should matter is you're used to putting in the one hour of work on your writing. It shouldn't matter. I mean, maybe it's because I had no pattern, like I had no structure. That could certainly be it. But I also think that there are just certain things about environments that bug me that I have problems with. But why should that affect your work? I mean, I, I'm just curious that it's just, I can understand being annoyed by a place because you don't like the look of it. But how does that then transfer to not being able to be productive? I don't know. I just can't be productive. I think that's the problem. I don't know. I can get depressed. I can feel just flummoxed, <laughs> not inspired. I mean, I'm sure it has something to do with those temporary things, not having a routine not having any of those structures to a day. I totally get that. But uh, I think it is something aesthetically. Derek and I actually have this theory that in our time in Rome, you might remember that the apartment that we lived in in Rome, which we love now because it was our first recording studio, that that apartment was not the one that we originally wanted. There was another apartment that we went for at the very beginning that we didn't get. Where was it? It was on that, I don't know what the street is, the cute cobblestone street that's right across from the uh, used... The used bookstore? bookstore? The used English language bookstore? Yes, that's um, that's Via della Lungaretta. Yeah, I know, I remember, because I walked past it with you. Right. It was on the ground floor, right? It's on the ground floor, but inside the apartment, it was a dark wood full of antiques Mm -hmm. it was small but it was aesthetically exactly what Derek and I would go for it's like what we look for in an apartment and we wanted that apartment so much so we have this theory that we would have actually been happier in Rome had we gotten that apartment not that we weren't happy and we were productive but rather if we lived in this dark wood beautiful street apartment versus super loud street bright orange Audrey Hepburn on the wall apartment that we ended up living in. <laughs> Which did have a really fantastic rooftop terrace, though. It did. It, it did. It was had its, lovely. It had its benefits, for sure. And I, I don't get me wrong. I came to, like, really appreciate that apartment. It's just a theory. Derek and I's relationship is based a lot on aesthetics. 
<laughs> that's um that's interesting. Just one thing about that other apartment though, because I don't want you to sit here regretting that you didn't get it. If I remember right, it was one of those ground floor apartments that is actually technically supposed to be a shop because that's how it works in Italy in those little tiny buildings that are not, you know, big freestanding buildings, but are like those little narrow buildings that butt up right next to each other. The ground floor facing the street is always a shop. And as such, it doesn't have a lot of windows. It just has these two windows right in front facing the street. And you have to kind of keep the curtains down because people are walking by constantly and they could look right into your apartment. So consider that it also might have been very, very dark. And also the ground floor gets less light, obviously. And your apartment on Via San Francisco Arriba, right across from you was like a really short building. So you got a lot of light in there. For me, light is extremely important, mm -hmm. maybe more than aesthetics. And I could not, <laughs> I could not live in a dark apartment. I just could not possibly be happy in a place like that. So keep that in mind. Well, you know, we come from Seattle. It's super dark there all the time. Yeah, but so it's... We might be a little more used to dark. It's one thing to be dark because the, the sun is not out, but like there's still the light of day. It's another thing to be dark because you're in the shadows. That's true. The sun is shining out there, but it's not shining on you. Ooh. Like I can't, that's like, I can't take that. That's a bigger <laughs> metaphor for life right there. <laughs> the sun is out there, but it's not shining on you. Oh. You can quote me on that yeah. one. Let's put that up as a quote. <laughs> so everybody can retweet it or, you know, put it on their Instagram feed. By the way, I want to just give a quick shout out to our intern, Estrella Gomez, who's doing an awesome job. Thanks, Estrella. Thank you so much. She's transforming our social media platforms into, into something that they should be instead of what they were. Right. And she's making our life so much happier. But going back to aesthetics, because I want to change gears slightly, but be honest. And this could be insulting to some people. Be honest, though. There's nothing that you see normally in people's homes that every time you see it, you're like, Bleh. Yeah, of course. Of course. There are certain things that I just that make my skin crawl. Like what? In my in-laws apartment. And I mean, I don't want to be saying anything not nice about them because they they're my in-laws or my husband's parents. They put me up me and my son and my husband up for almost six months, as you all know, if you listened to those episodes a year and a half ago. But <laughs> there were certain things, like I, I know you've talked about knickknacks. We all have our knickknacks. I have my knickknacks too. But like I, I can't stand them. Like I can stand one or two that have like a very specific meaning. But like I just... I just can't stand a lot of knickknacks like they just are just there because you've never gotten rid of them. So that's one thing. And it, it, Italians do this thing, which I don't think happens anywhere else in the world. It's like a truly Italian thing. It's called a bomboniera. Have you heard this word? No. A bomboniera is basically a very fancy party gift. And they're given at any type of important event. The most famous is, of course, weddings, but you can also find them at baptisms, at First Communion, at anniversary parties, at engagement parties, any kind of celebration. Whoever is hosting it is going to give a bomboniera to all of the guests. And it might be, I mean, if it's a ch child's party, it might be like my sister-in-law, when she had her First Communion, it was like a little porcelain fairy at our wedding, you might remember, it was like a little wooden handmade compass. 
Anyways, they always do this. A lot of times they're little pieces of crystal. A lot of times they're porcelain. And they can be really, really expensive. And people spend thousands of euros on these bomboniere, especially at weddings. And a lot of Italians, especially the older generations, will keep the bomboniere of every single event that they've been to in their entire lives. <laughs> and they'll have what they call a cristalliera, which is basically like a hutch, I guess, like with a glass front. And they'll just have them displayed gathering dust and they never they don't look good together because they're all like these different things that don't it's not like you have a collection of like lalique glass or something it's just all these random things <laughs> and it makes my skin crawl just to look at it <laughs> it just grosses me out so what do you do oh i throw them away i throw them away <laughs> i'm sorry i have my own from my wedding we did not have one for my son's baptism i was like sorry we did the like you know the little confetti the little sugared almonds wrapped in a little bag we did that that's fine when i get those i eat them and i throw the bag away i don't have any and i don't mind if people do that for the ones i give but the little presents i just can't keep them i just can't i just throw them away i'm sorry i kept my sister-in-law's little porcelain fairy because it was my sister-in-law that's it. I don't have any others. I have yours from your wedding. Oh. I will have to send you a picture. We can or post maybe it. We can post one of yeah. where it is because it's also surrounded by other knickknacks from other places. I will say that most of the knickknacks around my house mean something. In fact, I would argue all of them do, right? Mm -hmm. They all come from something. Now, I sometimes mix those in with things that I find, like pine cones or things that have texture that I like. And then I'll throw those away and find new ones as I move around. But I have put yours together with a whole bunch of other things on this particular shelf, including the other compass that you gave me when you asked me to be your bridesmaid. I gave you another compass when I asked you to be your bridesmaid? You did. Oh my gosh, I have no memory of this. It wasn't the same. It couldn't have been the same thing. No, it's not but the same thing. It's different, but I have them next to each other. Oh. You'll see what I mean? Just have to get on our Instagram feed and Twitter and see see what's going on. Before we go on, what is it that makes your skin crawl when you're in other people's homes? I have a lot of things, but the <laughs> one, the one, two things. One, it's when things are sort of haphazardly anywhere, you know, when it's just chaos. Like there's no, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. Now that's not to say that I'm not all for like. If you read the paper that morning and then you got out a thing, you started drawing and you dumped your colored pencils all over the table and then you left, great. I'm all for that. But it's just sort of when stuff is just randomly placed, always. Uh -huh. That bothers me. So maybe that's a clutter thing. But yeah, one very concrete example I can think of that I don't think you would have in Italy, but we certainly have over here in the United States is, <clears throat> and I'm sorry, everybody who has this, because I know a lot of you do. People in the United States put these big Americana-esque stars on the outside of their homes or sometimes on the inside of their homes. And all it is is like a metal star. I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it does. When Derek and I drove across the country, I saw so many of those stars. What in the world is going on? Like aesthetically, it is just not for me. I do not like it. It's that Americana kitsch. How big are these stars? I'm trying to visualize... 
Uh, they come in all sizes. And they're just plain black metal or they have decorations on them? No, they can be in different colors. They can be red, orange, black. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I mean, maybe I haven't. I just have never noticed it. The other thing I can't stand is I really would love to live by the beach someday, but I cannot stand beachy stuff. <laughs> Like shells, like like shells in a in a in a bowl. Dude, I'm all for shells. I have some shells around my apartment, but it's sort of like the life's a beach. Um, sand dollars everywhere. Sand dollars on on the fabric of your couch. Sand dollar like a like an image of a sand dollar on your couch. Yeah, like an image. Well, that's just tacky. But that that's just t- tacky, Katie. That doesn't have anything to do with the beach. It's just tacky. But everybody does it. Everybody does it. Wicker. You can't go to the beach and rent a place without having wicker furniture. I think it's because like it doesn't it doesn't get corroded by the salt. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure. But if it's inside a house, yeah, I hate wicker too. Why do we all have to live like the Golden Girls? You know, I mean, seriously. <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry for all the people I just insulted. You know, you're gonna look at my house and you're gonna go, "Wow, that's really old and stodgy." I get it. Fine. Okay, I have one. I have one. Here's something I can't stand. I can't stand couch covers. Oh. They make me want to barf. <laughs> Maybe I can understand having a couch cover if you really don't have enough money to buy a new couch and your couch is in really bad shape and you have a couch cover just to make it look presentable. Okay, I can get behind that. But if you have a couch cover because you don't want to ruin your couch, then I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> because you have a nice couch that looks good. Why are you covering it with something ugly? This is part of my life philosophy that you have to use what you have. If you have a candle that is in the shape of a rose, like a carved fancy candle, you have to burn that thing. Even if it gets ruined, like you have to do it because nobody wants an old dusty candle, even if it's in the shape of a rose. Just like nobody wants to see an old ratty couch cover when you have a beautiful, nice new couch underneath. Use your couch, and if it gets ruined, okay. If you have a nice piece of jewelry, don't put it in the safe. I mean, put it in the safe, okay, at night when you're not wearing it or whatever. But if you have, like, to put it in a safe deposit box in the bank, and that means you never wear it, I mean, that kind of goes back to my storage issue. It's like, why are you holding on to something if you, you know, wear your jewelry? And if it gets stolen, at least you got to wear it for some time (laughs) yeah yeah because ultimately we don't get to keep any of it exactly it's sort of that preserve it for the future generations but you know as i've learned as being one of the people who inherits stuff from relatives i'm one of the people that inherits that stuff from relatives because i'm one of the only people who will take it yeah yeah most people don't want it because aesthetically it fits Mm -hmm. for me but if you're in a super modern-ish and you prefer a really sleek modern environment you're not going to want that old inkwell and top hat from your grandfather because it doesn't fit <laughs> fit anything. I mean, you might, but, no, you know. absolutely not. Yeah, I, it doesn't make sense to preserve things for future generations. I will agree with that. But I do have a, a slight shift in this conversation before we finish it. Here's a different shift. Okay, so I'm obviously very sensitive to environment. Now, that's not to say that you can't invite me over. You can. I'm not going to judge. You know, we can be friends. But... I am less picky when it comes to other things. It was pointed out to me the other day because one of the things I asked my mother for for Christmas was a new wallet. Years ago, she got me this thing called a Mighty Wallet, which is a 
a wallet that's made out of really strong paper. And they sell them all over the place, and they come in a bunch of different designs. I've seen it. Did you have that when you were in Rome? Of course, yeah. When I was in Rome, I think my wallet was a Japanese mountain scene or something like okay, that. Okay, I feel like That I... was the first one she'd picked out for me. That one wore out. She picked out a different one for me. And that one was covered in white sheep with one black sheep in the middle. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I am the black sheep of my family. So that one. So that one was wearing out. And so I said, well, for Christmas, the only thing I really need from you is for you to pick out a different wallet for me. So she went out to get me a mighty wallet and she went to a store that only had one left and it was diamond plate. Do you know what that is? No. You can Google it. Anyway, it's this super edgy thing. So when I opened it, I was like, really? Wow. (laughs) Okay, mom. You know, not what I would expect from her. Anyway, so I've always kind of been delighted by the fact that this very common object, the wallet, the thing that you use every single day of your life is not picked out by me. It's picked out by a different person. I have no say in what it says to the world. And I was talking to another friend of mine about that when I pulled out my wallet and she's like, is that diamond plate? I said, oh yeah, my mom always picks up my wallet. And she was saying, I would never surrender that kind of control over something like that. This is something where every person who goes out with you sees this. And who knows, I would never judge a person by their wallet, but I guess people do. And she's just like, that's like a huge aesthetic choice that you're making that you're handing over to somebody else. I would never allow that to happen. And I realize that I often, when it comes to stuff that I wear, how I present myself in the world, I'm often wearing things that are picked out by other people. Now, that's not to say that people give me clothes and if I don't like them, I won't, I won't wear them, obviously. But for years, there's been this one woman I've known who worked with me at, in the radio station at Seattle, who's the same size as me, who loves to shop and frequently rotates her wardrobe. And every time she's getting rid of clothes, the only person she knows that fits her size is me. So she just brings me a bag of her stuff. I try it all on. I keep what I like. I get rid of what I don't like. But as a result, so much of what I wear, she got and I wear it now. Hey, I think that's amazing. I would sign up for that any day. Trust me. I don't think I'm any more picky than you are. I don't know. Maybe I used to be. I have to say that since we started taping, I haven't been able to stop staring at your blouse because it's so beautiful. Oh, thanks. I actually picked this out. You picked this out. It's gorgeous. (laughs) She's wearing this. It looks like silk. It's not, of course. Short sleeve, very, very dark blue and purple floral pattern but very small flowers and it's just got a really interesting neck and a plunging neckline and short cap sleeves just so beautiful and I was like as you were telling that story I was like I wonder if that blouse is from her friend well actually now that you mention it I did pay for this but it was on a shopping trip with my sister and she picked it out so another thing I often do is I I go shopping with somebody who I think has good taste or knows something about fashion and I let them guide what I'm putting on Hmm. because I'll just buy the same stuff over and over and over and over again. You know, I'm just going to keep buying a black t-shirt or whatever, (laughs) you know, like whatever the thing is, everybody's got their thing that they keep buying over and over and over and over again. For me, it's scarves. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's much nicer, but, but you know, actually it's kind of funny with this woman that gives me these clothes, right? She has given me the same type of pair of pants I don't even know how many times. And she's given me two white skirts that are almost identical. 
which means that she also has the same thing where it appeals to her. Whatever that is about that design, it appeals to her. And she, she buys it again. I think that we all do that. And so I love shopping with people who just go, put this on. And are like, I would not wear that. And then you put it on and you're like, oh my God, it looks so good in this. But I guess maybe what I mean is when it comes to aesthetics is like when it comes to my physical appearance, I'm so much less picky. I wonder if that's because you're not really looking at yourself all day. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps it doesn't bother you as much as looking at your desk that you seem to, if you're a freelancer, you're going you're gonna to look, be looking at your desk and the wall across from your desk all day. And it has to be something beautiful. Hmm. I think that I'm the type of person who really is also maybe not as much as you, but definitely affected by aesthetics of my home. But I think I definitely can fall into the trap of not seeing things after a while. When there's something that I don't like, but I know I can't change it at the moment because, you know, I don't have the shelves up yet or for whatever reason, I do stop seeing it. And every so often I look around and I'm like, I hate that, whatever. Hmm. But, but it's been like that for a year. You know, when you move into a place at least me, you know, you always think, okay, just got to get past these first few weeks or months and then everything's going to be perfect. For us, we moved into this place. A lot of the stuff that that we moved in was brand new. And of course, we brought a lot of our, our old stuff. And we spent so much time and so much money on the place that all of a sudden we got to the point where we just, we just couldn't do it anymore. Like we didn't have the energy to keep working on the place. And so it just stopped. We never hung curtains. We never got that armchair that we meant to get. I never got that bedspread that would have made the, you know, tied the bedroom together. And we've got to get this place fixed up. And I've just stopped looking. Like, I hate my bedroom windows with no curtains on them, but I don't even notice it anymore. You definitely have a window when you move of how long you're going to be putting it together. Because then life takes over and you go, eh, you know what? I'm really, really sick of this. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to like go live and oh, do work again. Yeah. Put the show back on the air. All that stuff. It's true that you have a window. But I think it's so interesting too that we've talked about this show about house sitting your way around the world. Mm. And I love the idea of that, of becoming one of these people who signs up for these services, gets a reputation and can go stay anywhere for free because they're good house sitters. But then I come to this aesthetic issue. <laughs> And I think, hmm, is that a problem? Can you go and just not be able to work? I need to get over it. I think that's the long and the short of it. I need to get over it. Because so much of travel and so much of moving about, living somewhere else, is giving up control of your environment. Yeah, you're going to either have to get over it or just spend enough money that wherever you go, (laughs) you can stay in a really gorgeous place. Yeah, I think I'll get over it before that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How much, one last question, how much does color make a difference to you? Like, are there certain colors that you can't stand or are there color combinations that you like or dislike? There are color combinations that I dislike. Which are they? My least favorite color combination. And this, this is just a dagger through the heart to people in Seattle. And so I apologize. But I really don't like purple and gold together. I really don't. (laughs) Oh, I get it. I get the Seattle reference. The Huskies. The Huskies football team are purple and gold. I cannot stand that combination. I don't know why. I just don't like it. Yeah. I can't stand red and orange together. Mm. Too garish. Orange and yellow together. Yeah. What about orange and teal? It's just, it's I feel that way about orange and teal together. That's the Miami Dolphins. No offense. It depends... (laughs) 
I really like, I think I like teal. I really like peacock blue, which is kind of like a dark teal. Yeah, I like that color. And I think if the orange had enough character to it, I could deal with orange and, and peacock blue together. Because orange and blue are opposites, you know? Yeah. You know how all colors have opposites. And I actually think orange and blue look good together. Although I don't think most color opposites look good together. Like red and green are opposites. I don't think red and green look good together. But that's Christmas. How can they not look good together? I mean, it's nice at Christmas, but that's it. You, would you wear a red pair of red pants and a green sweater if it wasn't Christmas? <laughs> no, it would look awful. And the other two, purple and yellow. See, that's the same. It's purple and gold. I know. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And how many people can we insult in the course of this show? Look, it's all about personal taste, right? One other thing, though, that I really, really have a hard time with is yellow paint on walls. Really? I know. I'm sure you have a yellow wall somewhere in your place right now. No, I don't have... No, we never painted the walls. I mean, they're white. But when I was in my mom's old house, the house I grew up in, after I moved out years later, she painted my bedroom pale yellow. And I think it looked so beautiful and I loved it. See, so I just insulted you. No, no I, it's I, not an insult. It's taste. I think anybody who has like a shred of self-esteem is not going to be insulted by someone else saying that they don't have the same taste. That's true. I don't have the same taste. Yellow is my least favorite paint color. And statistically, more murders happen in yellow kitchens than in any <laughs> other color. Now, the real question is, <laughs> is that because most kitchens are yellow or because most murders happen in the kitchen? I don't know. But I would never paint mine that color. No, the real question is, why do you know that? I don't know. A friend of mine had a yellow kitchen, and I was like, ugh, this is so ugly. <laughs> and he, he said, well, statistically, you know, you're more likely to be murdered in this kitchen than others. And I don't remember <laughs> what reference he cited. <laughs> but it was a long time ago. That is the most bizarre expression. <laughs> anyway, I don't know that we've actually solved anything in this show, but it was fun. Yeah. Fun to talk about aesthetics. I would be interested to hear what other people have to say. Like, look around you. Is the environment you're in, do you have any control? Mm -hmm. Remember when we had that designer on and she gave us some pointers on stuff to bring with us to make a space that's not our space, our own? Yeah. And I definitely subscribe to that. The only reason why that soulless corporate housing place was tolerable was because Derek had taken a box of our Christmas decorations down, like I told you, and had scattered them about mm -hmm. so that there were all these like little touches of stuff that we would normally have out at Christmas, which gave the place some personality, which it did not have at all on its own. So I do totally agree with if you can stuff anything in your bag and take it with you and put it out, it makes it so much better if you're in an environment that you really don't like. What happens when you live with someone who has completely different tastes than you you don't <laughs> you don't live with well, that person. sometimes it happens no i'm kidding i'm joking uh, i mean it happens all the time of course it does i think i even asked the designer about that or at least we talked about it offline but she was kind of saying one person in the house usually is more dominant or cares more mm -hmm. because like i said at the beginning some people don't care about aesthetics at all they can be around anything they don't really notice it or care mm -hmm. usually there's someone in a couple or in a roommate situation that cares more than the other person does so that person tends to take over more of the house and i think what she said the important thing is that the person whose style is not really represented they should at least have a corner or a if you live in a big enough spot a room that is just the stuff that they want around <laughs> that the other person does not mess with and it could just be however you want it to be 
And of course, we don't all live in big enough spaces to do that, but that's what she had suggested. Give that person a corner, but ultimately, usually in a pair, there's going to be somebody who's more dominant. One quick story before we close. I have a friend who is in a very serious relationship with a man, and they live together. And he is obsessed with comic books. But not just, it's not just like he's a comic book collector and he's got shelves and shelves and shelves of comic books. You could probably like handle that. Just kind of close your eyes and pretend they're books or something. <laughs> sorry, I'm not a comic book person. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should say my husband, he's not a, a fanatic, but he, he does collect one type of comic book and he has a couple of shelves of comic books. So it's not like there are no comic books in my house. But this guy's obsessed. But it doesn't end there. It's not just the comic books themselves. He has got the figurines of these comics. Now, I couldn't tell you what they were, um, but they look kind of like superheroes slash robots kind of thing. Like kind of big, very muscular, not human. We're not talking about Superman here. We're talking about like kind of crazy, strange things. And they're everywhere in their very small apartment. They're everywhere. Like the corridor that runs through their apartment would be a nice, pretty wide corridor for a small apartment. It's become very narrow because they have shelves on either side, glassed in shelves that are just completely crowded with figurines. I I don't even know what they are. Just all this random stuff. He's got pictures, sketches, images on the walls everywhere just everywhere it's completely packed and then as if that weren't enough he has all of the boxes for these things in their bedroom she's got her big wardrobe like the italian style wardrobe it's not a closet it's just a wardrobe and all along the sides between the wall and the wardrobe on both sides and on the top it's just full of boxes i mean I'm sorry, but I can truly tell you that that would be a deal breaker for me. <laughs> I don't care how much I love you. If you're going to make me live among boxes, you're not worth it. Does she like these figurines? No, she hates it. She hates it. No, she hates it. But she just kind of came to the realization that, you know, he that was him. That was his, what he had. Those were his possessions and there was no way he would ever part with them. And she was just going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. Like I literally couldn't do it. It's like having a tarantula crawl on me. Like, I don't care. You could give me a billion dollars. I still couldn't do it. (laughs) Boy, I think you could do it if I was going to give you a billion dollars. I don't think so. You would totally do it. Wait, are you talking about the tarantula or the boxes and the comic book stuff? Both. What's the point of having a billion dollars if my house is going to be full of that stuff? Buy a new wing. You know? (laughs) No, but the point is that you're only going to get a billion dollars if you live with it. Oh, I see. Well, what about the tarantula, though? You would do that for a billion dollars, right? Only if I was heavily sedated. (laughs) Heavily. (laughs) No, because there, there are, not to go off on another tangent, but when you have a true phobia, it doesn't matter. Like, it can make you lose your mind. Like, it can literally make you lose your mind. And every time you tweet pictures of spiders i don't do it all the time that makes it so you you've done it you've done it and i just i'm like fuck (laughs) you put a spider on the twitter feed and now i'm gonna have nightmares (laughs) (laughs) 
I really like spiders. <sighs> Boy, I wonder if aesthetically we could live together. Because if a spider moved in, I would just let it be. Oh my god. <laughs> no. That's not really aesthetics, but... No. I guess that's beyond. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Well, we should leave it there, because we're getting a little long in the tooth here. We're just having so much fun. And it's been two weeks since we've talked. It has been. Yeah. So, yeah. But we'll leave it there. Remember... If you want to see those spider pictures that I occasionally tweet, <laughs> Tiffany's shaking her head. Okay, that's not a good way to get you to go to our Twitter feed. We are at Bittersweet Pod. <laughs> and we're at Instagram if you search for the Bittersweet Life podcast and on Facebook, the same thing. And okay, I can make a rule that I don't tweet any pictures of spiders, if that will help. Thank you. Fine. Done. <laughs> Great. But I'm still going to love them. I will not tweet any pictures uh, what is it that you said you can't stand? Giant metal stars. Giant metal stars. Thank you. I will not tweet any pictures of those. And I hope that people will tweet us with aesthetic things of what they like and don't like aesthetically. I would really love to see what other people say. Yeah, your aesthetic quirks. I want to hear about your aesthetic quirks. Things you like, things you can't stand. And uh, I will post, or Estrella will post, a few pictures from my house. And I am I welcome your judgment. I would love to hear what you think since I've been so judgy. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. My thanks to the recent donors to the show. Thanks to Ginny, Sarah, Chris, Darlene, Patrick, Clara, Terry, and John. Your support is the reason the show is continuing. And we still need more donors to step up to keep the show alive. So if you love the show, support it. Open your laptop, visit thebittersweetlife.net, and click the donate button on the right-hand side of the screen. If you give us your address, too, you'll get a handwritten thank you note in the mail. That's how important your donation is and how much we appreciate you. And my thanks to our intern, Estrella Gomez. Be sure to check her out at lacasablaga.com. And finally, if you'd be interested in sponsoring the show and reaching listeners all over the world, send us an email at thebittersweetlife.net. Thanks for everything, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>